This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Charmila Ganesan and Lee Chui Lin. Tonight, the plight of the Tambun farmers' eviction. So first, we'll be hearing some excerpts from Dr. Michael Jayakuma's interview with the station from earlier today. And then after that, we'll speak with Dobby Chu, who is the Human Rights Bureau Chief of MUDA. We want to hear from you. What's your take on the situation? And do you think the government does enough to prioritise food security? You can call 77332900, tweet us at BFM Radio, send us a voice note or WhatsApp at IU mobile number 018-789-8899. This is Inside Story. It is 6.08. Now, on October 24th, a couple of days ago, we saw the latest and perhaps most uh, public iteration of a years-long battle that the Tambun farmers have been going through. Uh, So there was a protest uh, when they were trying to stop the evictions of the farmers of the Kantan Vegetable Farm in Tambun Perak. PSM chairperson Dr. Michael J. Kumar Devraj was among uh, among the people arrested. The others who were arrested include PSM committee member R. Kartigis, Perak PSM youth member P.K. Sivan, farmer Ho Pontian, um, and there were also um, reports of uh, PSM activist Chong Yi Shan uh, suffering a broken tooth as well as having injured her nose when she was allegedly shoved by an official from uh, the Para Land and Minerals Office. Uh, and this is because the the Perak Land and Minerals Office officials came to the location with bulldozers and excavators to evict the six farmers who have been basically holding forth on that land and claiming that they shouldn't have to move. Sure. And that's, a, as you reference, a very long-running conflict. And it also kind of, like you said, most public iteration, right? But the other thing was that the eviction notice had been given quite recently, um, that the farmers had been handed an eviction notice just a week or so ago, October mm. 13th, using Section 425 of the National Land Code, which said that their farms were situated on land that was owned by the Perak Development Corporation and told them to vacate the land within a week. Now, this is problematic for a number of reasons, right? Not least of which is the fact that, um, you know, there have, of course, long been claims that the farmers have been occupying the land for decades, uh, that they have pending applications for the land, which have not come through. And so they've just continued being there. Uh, but now they're facing the threat of forced eviction. And that since 2010, these farmers, through the Chemo Modern Farmers Association, have held several discussions and corresponded with the Perak Land and Minerals Office, uh, the Kinta District, and land office um, all in Ipoh and that in 2012 the farmers were promised lease agreements by the Perak State Development Board at the Perak High Tech Park um, replacement land that would have been leased for a period of 30 years that was two acres um, was offered but the government has not come through on this promise so all of this was said or claimed um, by PSM Secretary General A.C. Varajan. So that's on the side of the really the sad journey that has led us here, right? And why this conflict is still um, unresolved. However, the larger context for this is also that um, 
these are farmers. And we're talking about this at a time when there's been a lot of talk about food security. So in handing over a memorandum to our PM, now we said Thambun, it is his constituency, yeah. um, in handing over a memorandum to the PM, one of the things that the farmers and PSM highlighted was the fact that the Kantan area is actually uh, the main producer of maize in Malaysia. And if we are talking about food security, why are we not doing better in terms of encouraging farmers, optimizing land use and essentially listening to them when they highlight these sorts of uh, problems? Especially because um, from the outside at least, I, I, I don't know enough, I have not been to the farm, but um, from the outside at least, it feels very much like this is a problem of bureaucracy, right? If if you have made your applications, if you have been in contact with the government, but you have not been able to push through anything beyond that. If and you've, you've been promised land. Correct. And yeah. then after that, um, how do you... how What do you do? Yes. Like, where do you go with that? And so... Where, where are our priorities here in terms of food security and the people who are endeavouring to make that happen for us? So, as we said earlier today, the bigger picture uh, did speak with uh, PSM chairperson, Dr. Michael J. Kumar Devaraj, uh, who has now been released on bail. And during the interview, Dr. J. Kumar expressed his sadness um, in the fact that the authorities failed to stop the eviction and demolition of the farmers' uh, properties. We are quite uh, upset that we didn't manage to stop the, the the destruction of the farms, you know, because after we were arrested, they just went in and they flattened everything. They bulldozed down the, the oil palm trees. They went into the to the corn fields, the jagong, and just slashed them down. Then there were a couple of fields which were fell over. They had been finished harvesting, but they just ran their bulldozer all over the field to break up the, the irrigation uh, pipes. So it's vicious. So they've actually destroyed the whole, the, all the farms, the six farms, uh, which were the source of livelihood for six farmers. And also, mm. we didn't manage. We were trying to stop that. So actually, basically, we failed. Despite all what we did, it was a failure on our part. He went on to talk about what the farmers were actually demanding from the government. So actually, what their demands now are that can the government gazette this whole area as farming, farming land? for reasons of food security. And they're not asking for grants because if they got the grants, they too can sell it to developers. They're saying, don't really give us grants, give us leases, 10 years or 15 years leases, uh, with the proviso that we only grow food that relations can consume, you know, vegetable, fruits, whatever. And that if you leave it fellow for more than a certain length of time, more than a year, you can take it back and give it to another farmer. And when we, when we get to old, take it away and give it to another farmer. So, But keep it as farmland and give leases to people who are prepared to do farming. And uh, I mean, we'll pay taxes, we'll pay rental. Of course, you tax them too high and the cost of food also will go up. I mean, you can tax them higher, but then, then the cost of vegetables and whatever food they're, they're supplying will go up. But yeah, they're prepared for that. This is what our, demand, our, 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 our appeal is. Have... Regulate this, make sure that this whole belt of farming remains as farming area and it's used that way for a long time in perpetuity so that the food security of the country is, that's what they're asking for, what our demand is now. Dr. Jayakumar also urged the government to take responsibility for their role in this disagreement. And basically all land, all forests, 
is 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 government owned? I mean, I think those that don't have a, a a grant, don't have a title, it's all government owned. But I think as citizens, you want to see how the land is being used. If you're just leasing land for you know forest plantation, and since it's my land, I own it, I can do what I want. I don't think it works that way, you know. So I think in this case, there's food security involved, there's livelihood of farmers involved. So I think the government must use its power over the land in a responsible way. And if it is responsible, then there's no harm. You know, why give a one week notice where you can hardly respond? Why are you so scared of having a, a negotiation process? Why is kind of going to court? I mean, if you've got such a good good idea for the land and you're being so you know irresponsible. I mean, here in the land, you hold the land for the last 10 years, and why suddenly one week notice? Well, they're just using the bureaucratic power to get hold of the land. And from what we have seen in a number of instances, the monetizing land, not for the state coffers, not even for PTNP, but for the pockets. So are we saying it's okay, you're a government servant, you're a government official, you're a military person, you're an expo. You can just use your powers over land to make yourself rich. And because it says it's state land, everyone has to keep quiet. No, I think that's a very, very narrow way of looking at it. You know? No, you, yes, government has power over land. That, that land, that power comes with responsibility. Let's say accountability. That was Dr. Michael J. Kumar Devraj, PSM chairperson, who spoke with uh, The Bigger Picture earlier today with Dashan Yohan. Um, and we have been talking about the Tambun farmers and their fight for their land. Essentially, they've been served an eviction notice. Um, excavators showed up to um, to basically uh, destroy their, their property. Uh, they haven't been given the land that they're supposed to move into. So, they're now left at an impasse and uh, we are waiting for next steps from the government, essentially. We want to hear from you. What's your take on the situation? Do you think the government does enough to prioritise food food security? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 18 tweet us at BFM Radio. After this, we'll be hearing from Dobby Chu, Human Rights Bureau Chief at MUDA. So keep it here, BFM 89.9. Best Flipping Moments, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It's 6.19, you're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn, and we're talking about the Tambun farmers and the, uh, and the fact that there was recently a protest as the authorities showed up to demolish the farms and take back the land. People were hurt, people were arrested, um, and the uh, fight goes on. The farmers still don't have a solution. So we want to hear from you. It's a two-pronged question, really. What's your take on this situation? But in a larger sense, do you think the government does enough to prioritise food security? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now on the line is Dobby Chu, Human Rights Bureau Chief at MUDA. Dobby, good to have you with us. Hello, good to be back on air again. So the plight of the Thambun farmers, in fact, has been ongoing for more than a decade, even though this latest incident put it back in the headlines, especially with the arrest of the activists uh, and the farmer, and then trying to stop the evictions, which even turned violent. Tell us what you know and how it's been handled by the authorities. Yeah, personally, I knew very little on the blockade on the day itself. Um, but when I first saw the news, my first thought was, oh, again? Um, PSM, I think, has been very consistent about fighting for this kind of issue where it's unfairly people are unfairly evicted or there's an issue of land grab or those kind of concerns. 
they've been very consistent about it. So when I saw it, my first thought is, okay, what's the backstory? There must be a backstory. And it doesn't take long to just Google it up and see, and then you realize, oh, this is not a group of people that is trying to profit off the land. These are people who have been there for a very long time. And there is definitely some dispute on land ownership with the government that resulted in the kind of uh, eviction or the kind of action that we've seen. And what surprised me was this kind of eviction is very, very common. Um, if you look around in all states in Malaysia, this has always happened, but very rarely do someone get injured in such a visible and high-profile manner. Um, and even when you look at the short snippet of video, one would look at it and kind of go like, was that necessary? Because there wasn't anyone actively resisting. It was just someone walking along and then an officer come and just shove it away. And you can hear from the video recording, there was some very condescending, you know, we told you to move, why didn't you move kind of, kind of sentiment coming from the enforcement agencies there. So to me, it's an escalation that we didn't want to see, but we see it anyway. So as we said earlier, this has been a long-standing issue where farmers have held several talks with the Perak Land and Minerals Office since 2010 about their lands. Talk us through what's happened over the years and why there are so many accusations of this being unjust. Um, I would like to take the opportunity to just plug the interview snippets that you guys played. I think Dr. Kumar did a very excellent job telling the story of the community there. Um, and from his story, that community of farmers has been around since pre-independence. That area has always been there. They have always been there. It's always been known that they are there. Um, it's There's not really a lot of dispute to say that these people suddenly materialized in the last few years and capitalized on the land for their own profits or anything of that sort. So when we look at that, that kind of history, um, in most contexts, we will kind of wonder, why didn't they just legitimize this, right? Because they are farmland, they're providing food for the local communities. They are providing, if you look at the photos, sizable amount of crops for the community. And when we see the kind of eviction notice period, one week is definitely not enough for you to file any legal challenges or effective one. And it does seems like a very overt intent to bulldoze things through, figuratively and literally speaking. And I think most people, when they see this, it's very easy for people to feel that there's a lot of misjustice or miscarriage of justice happening because it's no longer the government evicting a big tycoon trying to make money off a land. It's not evicting cash crops like maybe durian, for example. It is evicting farmers who are planting maize and corns and things of that sort, right? And when we look at some of the photos as we look at it, it's surrounded by palm oil plantations, essentially, palm oil trees. Those are cash crops. And I think if it's bulldozing a palm oil plantation, I think people will be way less sympathetic. But I think it's just the nature of who's being evicted, who are they, what are they, and what, how, how did the whole incident happen unfold? So it just triggers people, I would say. Now, we did hear through the reports that the farmers were promised replacement land by the Perak State Development Corporation. Uh, this was issued through an offer letter in 2012. Uh, but now one week's notice was given before they were forcibly evicted. What are some of the main legal issues involved here? And how could this have been mediated better before taking this these more forceful measures? So I think that's definitely the issue of whether the farmers themselves have had their degree of legal right to the land. Um, either through the long period of ownership, so to speak, and presence there that is known by the government, or whether the offer by the state government itself was something that is binding or at least have some hold um, in terms of what their rights are. But I think going beyond that, we are dealing with issues between government and community. And sometimes even if it's just a promise that may not have a strong legal hold on it, it is the legal responsibility of government to provide the necessary support and, and, and infrastructure and all the kind of things to, to people. And when it comes to farmlands, especially for, for food, it's not just 
a private enterprise for profit anymore. It is also an issue of food security that ties into national security. And when we look at it, by government doing such an act, while they may have been fully within their rights to enforce their rights over the land itself, and legally they might be completely in the clear, but the fact that they did this kind of violates their legal responsibility to citizens as a whole when it comes to the right to food. And it's also the question of whether the use of force in a peaceful protest was appropriate. And in this case, if you look at the video, it wasn't a police officer that was coming in using his force to arrest in the first place. The shove was done by a, a department that technically have no rights or power even to take action that way. There's a reason why they have the police there. There's a reason why the police are the one making the arrest. And we have to ask, right, does this violate their right to peaceful assembly? And odds are, yes, it does. It did. Um, and it's one of those things if they could, the question would be, some people ask, could we have could they have resolved this without using force? Clearly, because they broke through a number of barricades before that, that whole incident happened. So there's clearly no need to use the sort of force that results in significant injury or bodily harm. And I think those are the few big legal responsibilities when I look at it. Has government successfully, you know, hold themselves accountable or be responsible to the people they're supposed to care for? I would say, no, they failed in it. Um, so uh, this is also coming against the backdrop of the government continuing to highlight the importance of food security, um, which some have said seems hypocritical when farmers aren't being heard or supported. How can these larger policy issues take into account the realities on the ground and offer meaningful action? So it's going to be very challenging because each state has very different agricultural industry from what I understand. And the general sentiment has always been at least to me, you know, when I look at some of the kind of reports and suggestions by people, think tanks, MPs, get more youth involved in, in agriculture. And like Dr. Kumar said in his interview, it is a process that involves a lot of capital. It needs people who are interested. It needs people who have a skill set, the knowledge to, to really partake in this. And it's not exactly something that a small, mid-sized uh, farm can be established easily. And now when we have active farmers who are already in the industry and they are clearly able to do their, their hunting and their farming sustainably enough, for themselves financially and also for, for their harvest. And suddenly we just decided, yeah, it's fine to evict them. It's fine to ruin a perfectly good harvest. In a climate where we have had rice shortages or fields of rice shortages, we have shortages of food left and right once in a while. It really sends a wrong message to people, right? And if I would imagine if I'm someone who was interested in investing in, in agriculture as a startup, for example, I'm going to look at this and start wondering, okay, can that happen to me? Because this doesn't just include land where, where people are not clearly defined whether it's their land or someone else's land. If government leaves me a land tomorrow and say, yeah, you can plant things here for the next 20 years, assuming you follow these rules and regulation, five years down the road when I'm just getting my first good proper batch of harvest after long years of effort, and the government comes in and gives me one month notice and say, yeah, I need you out of here. If that timeline just fits just nicely for my harvest, great, sure, I don't mind. But if it doesn't, does that mean I just wasted all five years of my effort? And I think the kind of messaging that comes in this is very important. It's very unfortunate that when the state government demolished the land, the, the farmland, and the way they handled the whole situation, that does it feel like any of this was being considered when they were doing it? And it does also kind of raise the question, what is Perak state government's position on food security, right? Are they planning adequate agricultural land for this to sustain? Are they actually aware of how many farmers are there that's planting food crop and needs to be maintained to maintain our level of food security? Yeah. <laughs> Dobby, um, unfortunately, we are out of time. Uh, thank you for speaking with us today. Thank you. That was Dobby Chu, Human Rights Bureau Chief uh, with Muda, weighing in on the uh, Tambun farmers and their uh, demand for their land. 
We want to hear from you. What's your take on the situation? Do you think the government does enough to prioritize food security? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Beyond frivolous matters, BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 6.39. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about the uh, Tambun farmers and uh, their forced eviction, but also about food security, because part of that call is them saying, well, if you care about food security, why are you not listening to us and supporting what we do? Um, so... We want to hear from you. What's your take on the situation? Do you think the government does enough to prioritize food security? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We have some thoughts that have come in on this. Well, primarily people want to know um, who owns the land, and I think that this is, um, I mean, it's a it's a natural question. So Christopher says the landowner did nothing wrong. Farmers should have appreciated the use of others' land all these years and move out as per the request from the landowner. Amir meanwhile says the issue is ownership. Who's the owner of the land? Who are the trespassers? Why does the owner need to compensate trespassers? So. To be clear, um, I'm not sure that the problem here is about compensation. Um, it is actually, and this gets complicated as we talk about people who have been using or living off of a land for, in this case, a question of decades, right? Um, because things get murky, documentation is difficult. So just to reiterate, what's brought us to today's situation is that these farmers have been using that land for decades. Um, and While have, also trying to apply yes, for the land, for, exactly. for the legal use of the land. Yeah. And, and in fact, the, uh, the the state uh, the state development board of Pera actually did agree to pro, um, to provide them with new land that they could move to. This land though hasn't been given to them yet, and yet they're being made to leave or they're being they're being evicted. So really, that's where we're at. Um, which by any measure isn't fair because if you've already agreed to provide them with land that they can move to. You have to give it to them first before you can ask them to leave. Uh, I also think that, uh, just to go back to Christopher's point, the landowner did nothing wrong. Um, I think on the simplest level, saying that I own land, I've been letting you use it for a long time, now I want you to go. That, yeah, I, ostensibly I'm not going to argue with you. I think where it gets complex is that if however you've entered into an agreement um, to compensate people or you've entered into an agreement to say, I need you to go, yes. but what's going to happen is you're going to go here. Um, if you've done that, and in this case, they have. Um, as you said, Sharmila, documentation is murky, but this does exist. So um, if you've said that, and then following on from that, you don't follow through, then I think nothing wrong gets a little bit murkier. Nothing wrong gets a bit cloudier, because then I think at the very least, there have been delays and bureaucratic issues, right? That's preventing... Mm the expediting of this whole thing. And showing up with bulldozers and excavators is really not a, a measure of we're willing to listen. That actually really is a we're going to act. Um, Lam says... 
the government has to get their act together. What transpired is clearly um, uh, is it's clearly obvious that there's no communication between the federal and state governments. This talk about inadequate food production and the need to ensure food security is just talk. Nobody will be held responsible for the fracas except the farmers and the activists assisting them. It's sad and deeply upsetting that these hardworking farmers are treated so unfairly. The PM and the Minister for Food Security must step in and resolve this. Well, let's talk a little bit about food production then, um, because I think that's the because that's the question um, that's been coming through this whole time. Um, it really is about food security and whether or not we think of it as a priority. So, if um, I think for me. When we talk about food production, uh, maybe we cannot just talk about newness. Mm. Um, in, in other words, you can't just talk about all the initiatives that you're trying to do in order to bring people into the fold, which actually has been a theme in Parliament over the yes, last few days. Yes, young people in agriculture. Young people, yeah. yeah um, wanting more people to get involved with the Tech technology. In agriculture, yeah. So, but is, is our focus going to be entirely about that or is the focus going to be about uh, also protecting the people who are currently producing our food. And I, I think it's kind of the, the gap between those two things that makes it a bit difficult to square away. No, that's absolutely it. I do think that um, we cannot be talking about uh, food security, about encouraging people to take up farming without, actually to me, the, the decades-long farms is... It's sad, isn't it? Because in the end, we cannot keep pushing towards newness and 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 um, wanting people to join the fold if you're not showing respect or at least a willingness to listen and engage with the people who are currently involved in our agriculture sector. Anyway, keep your thoughts coming. Um, we want to hear from you. Is our government uh, doing enough to prioritize food security? You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp. 018-789-8899 Tweet us at BFM Radio Brainy Fancy Material BFM 89.9 It is 6.45 You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn We've been talking about the Tambun farmers and uh, their fight alongside uh, PSM as well as other activists for, their, for the land that their farms sit on um, and we've been asking you for your thoughts. Do keep them coming. Now, we did mention uh, that uh, PSM have been, um, you know, fighting alongside them for their land rights. And uh, we do have actually on the line with us now, um, Arul from uh, from PSM. Uh, and uh, hi, Arul. Do we, uh, can you hear us? Good evening. Yes, yes, I can hear you. Yeah. Um, and what are your thoughts? You see, the, you see a lot of people, uh, the whole issue about land ownership, you see, like the Orang Asli in Malaysia actually don't have land titles. Doesn't mean they don't have rights over the land. Similarly, these farmers have been there even even before the National Land Court was established in this country. So, in legally, what we call they have equity rights over the land because they've developed the land, you know, for all these years. So they cannot be just evicted easily, lah. You know, the, from our view, basically the farmers have. A legitimate right over the land, you know, and those can be only determined by the court. But in this case, the matter has not gone to the courts yet. And before even the court can have a say, the parrot, uh, the land office was notified that let's take the matter to court. Before even that process could happen, they used the section four to five, just giving them seven days notice and try to 
evic farmland where they've been there for more than 60, 70 years. So, I mean, because I've been hearing from people, people easily say, who is the owner, you know? So in this case, the current owner, PKNP, came very much later, you know? They were not the original, uh, they, were, they only got the land very recently. All this while, it was a state land. And the state land allowed them to do the farming, you know? If there were series like 100, about 10, 20, uh, in 70 years, they've been getting notice every month, huh? then you can know that they are trespassing. But here, no, they, they, they know they are there. That is why they offered them two acres of land each earlier, you know, which, which was never given to them. Um, yeah. Ar- Arul, I wanted to put some listener comments through to you because th- there's a certain, yeah. I think, sentiment coming through that I was hoping you could address. So uh, Christopher is saying, whatever transpired, the application from the farmers, that it didn't materialise is sad, but it should be respected. Similarly, Nick says, with or without compensation, they should leave when asked to. They should be grateful that they're getting compensation. How would you respond to that? See, here the whole question is not about compensation, as I, as I think you earlier said. You know, it's the whole question about equity of, of the land, and even under the constitution even, any, every time you take up somebody's uh, property or land, even though you are not, not having titles, you must compensate them. So that is in the, in the law itself. So in this case, it is not a one-way street. Lah. So the, the whole question is, end of the day, the court will say whether these farmers got equitable rights over the land or not. So we are very sure they have equitable rights because they have developed the land for over these years. You know, they have, they have created uh, a wasteland. Maybe they have now made it more fertile. So they have equitable rights. And those equitable rights, the court have to decide. It's not that, you know, you can stay when you want to go, you have to leave. You know, it doesn't work that way. And we have won many cases before in other areas where the similar argument comes. Even plantation workers, when the estate goes for development, the workers are evicted. But we will say they have rights. They have stayed in the, in the estate for so many years, you know. So plantation workers, urban settlers, fishermen community, and of course the orang asli lah, you know, they all have similar problems on land disputes. Arul, yeah. before we let you go, um, just a quick one. What's what are the next steps that you're looking at in terms of uh, fighting for the farmers' rights? Okay, one one is in this case is what he said that this committee already met the prime minister. They've already met uh, Sabu, Mama Sabu, the minister in charge. And there was something happening, you know, they, they said they will discuss about this issue. Because they have actually, on media, encouraged people to do farming, you know, use wasteland to do farming and all that. So we are going to continue to engage with them. Besides that, there's a court case coming up next year, January, because we've got an interim order. Why there's an interim injunction is because there's a main suit. The main suit will decide whether the farmers have rights or not, but until then, uh, we have, I think, until January, we hope the the, the Prime Minister uh, and, and uh, the Minister in charge of food security actually seriously look into this issue. Okay? And our argument, the main argument is, they, if they wanted to build an industrial park here, they wanted to give them land somewhere else, why not the industrial park go somewhere else and let them have this current land? Because this land is already fertile. 
Arul, um, we really appreciate you calling in. It's good to hear from someone in the thick of things. Uh, that was S. Aruchelvan, PSM Central Committee member, uh, giving us some insight into the challenges and uh, really the, the legalities and the issues involved in the Tambun farmers and why they're fighting for their land. And responding to some sentiment, I think that's coming up um, in relation to well, ownership, ownership, compensation, yes, and yes. so on. Keep those thoughts coming. Um, we are expanding that conversation to talk about uh, food security and whether the government is doing enough to prioritize that. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred, send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bringing fresh meaning. BFM eighty nine point nine. It is 7.08. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And just a quick recap about what we're talking about. Um, so the latest in the Tambun farmers' uh, plight, where they are fighting to keep the lands that the farms are on, or at least not be evicted right now, um, there has been pro- there have been protests. Activists, as well as a farmer, were arrested. Uh, one activist was, in fact, injured. Um as uh, the state authorities um, basically tried to evict the farmers. Now, this, of course, is a long-standing battle. Um, the farmers have been waiting for uh, the alternative land that was promised to them to be given, uh, which hasn't yet materialised. And so, essentially, the question is, what next for them? Uh, this has also been linked to issues of food security and about support for smallholders and small farmers. So, send your thoughts through. We're asking you, what's your take on the situation? And do you think the government is doing enough to prioritise food security? You can call us, you can send us a voice note, you can WhatsApp us, you can tweet us. We have more thoughts that have come in. Yeah, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to think about which we should start with. Okay, let, let's begin with KJ, who says, Online news portals indicated that 100 farmers had applied for temporary licences back in 1989, but they were refused. So when the farmers were served with an eviction order notice, it's clear who owns it. It has nothing to do with food security or whose constituency it is, the mishandling or no alternative or compensation granted. Food for thought. Just imagine if someone illegally occupies our allocated parking lot or blocks the entrance of our house, will we be so generous to let them stay there till they engage in discussion and reach a win-win situation? It is silly to see people who engage in double standards selectively. And I think that um, there are a few points, KJ, that that, uh, I think are interesting here. Perhaps we should start with... um, the fact that the conversation didn't end in 1989, um, simply because there have been further conversations as recently as, um, I don't know, the last few years, actually. We, we don't have to go so far back. Um, that There have been ongoing conversations, ongoing returns to court over this issue. Um, I think we had a caller earlier, Arul from PSM, who also said that there's going to be an upcoming court case. So I don't think it's... Um, I don't know that we should necessarily be going back to, in the long litany of paperwork here, one moment um, in 1989 and kind of referring everything back to that as like the nexus point, because I don't know that it is. Yes, and we are talking about farmers who have actually been there, I think, at minimum three generations. So there's that. Um, I would also hesitate to say 
illegally occupying or who are the legal owners because some of that isn't clear either. Um, and also, I think the key thing to remember here is that, in fact, they have been promised alternative land by the Perak State Development Board. And this was back in 2012. So that's been more than 10 years since that promise was made. And this hasn't materialised. So it's a lot more complex than it's not their land they need to move. It, it, they're actually a series of actions that haven't been fulfilled and a series of ways in which these farmers have been uh, let down by the state uh, state government. I think there's also the question of, um, in terms of the analogy of blocking the house, uh, the question is who came first? Yeah. Uh, because in this instance, the farms, uh, by and large, the farms have been there. Um, if anything, now it's just, it's a very big state. Um, so now it's just a question of, we'd like to develop these lands. I want to build my parking lot. Yes. Move. yes. That's so what's it's, happening. It's a little bit different yeah. from that. Um, we have also some people drawing comparisons. I, I think this has been a very popular, or rather the Israel-Palestine analogy comes up a lot, even when um, I think it's maybe a little bit outsized for what's happening. NF says, should Palestinians compensate illegal Israeli settlers for them leaving their occupied land? The answer is no. The same goes to the farmers in Tambun. Well, in response, well, not in response, on that same vein, an anonymous listener says, Israel kicks out the Palestinians. We kick out our own. Nothing new. And then they go on to say, in the late 1990s, KK relocated the fisher folk to make way for land reclamation. They were relocated to the highlands midway to Mount Kinabalu. So new land for the farmers needs to be recultivated, a long-term solution to solve our current food problem. Smart solutions here. We should seriously look into taking away power from these sorts of state authorities. Mm, so I think, um, firstly, to address this notion of, again, I think Sharmila, you said it earlier, that we need to be quite careful with throwing around words like illegal occupation mm. because I think just because they've been in the headlines a lot so they're top of mind for a lot of us but that's not the same thing so it, it's not an easy comparison to make uh, the level of violence and displacement and, and all that I, I, I feel like it's um, kind of belittling or downplaying yes. the Palestinian plight to make that comparison. So firstly, there's that. Um, but the other thing is, new land for the farmers needs to be recultivated. That's an interesting point, because if you know that land is fertile and has been cared for over generations, um, is that something that's so easy to recreate? Yes, Um which um, Arul pointed out yes, earlier. Yes, exactly, right? That's the point that Arul uh, talked about, which actually links back to that issue of food security, because... Um, there are various components that go into what it means to empower our agriculture industry. On the one hand, as you said earlier, um, absolutely new tech, young people and so on. But on the other hand, what are we doing with our longstanding farmers? How are we making sure that these industries not just thrive, but also are able to progress? And surely this sort of act is not the way to go. So, um, if I may, I'd like to just kind of put a question out into the world, uh, and that, and that is really. Um it's an ostensibly simple one, and I think maybe it's coming from a particularly Klang Valley perspective. But whenever we talk about development, particularly here in the the center of um, you know the urban center of Malaysia, um, I think the point often comes up that we don't necessarily want more development; um, that in fact we want more 
green space or, or that we want other things. I recognise that the the concerns of Kuala Lumpur, Klang Valley are definitely not the concerns of the rest of the country, um, that the rest of the country, especially in certain spots, could use more development. So I, I think maybe that's also my question. Um, when we think about land use in Malaysia, um, recognising that it's different from state to state, what do we want more of? Do we want more farms? Yeah. Or do we want more, um, what is it that they're trying to make? An industrial park. Sure. So um, that's a pretty direct comparison, actually. So do we want more farms or do we want more industrial parks? And I'd like to know what people think. Actually, keep your thoughts coming on that. You can also weigh in on food security and uh, government, whether government is doing enough. But that's a pretty simple one. <laughs> would you want more farms or would you want more industrial parks? Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. 900 uh, Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Bruce Freddie Morrissey. BFM 89.9. It is 7.21. You're listening to Inside Story with Sharmila and Lynn. And we've been talking about the Tambun farmers, the uh, fight for their land, as well as the larger question of how do we want to see our land used? Do we want it to be used for farms and for food security? Or do we want more developments, um, industrial parks, for instance? Send your thoughts through. You can call double seven double three two nine hundred. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So, um, Kamara Nizam says, I want more industrial farms. Smiley face, smiley face, smiley face, <laughs> smiley face. Uh, for food security reasons, of course. I see what you did there. I support this. I don't. I don't think we should have more industrial oh, farms. Industrial farms, right? I thought he was just being clever. <laughs> no, no, I think, I do think it's a joke. So, um, because I was, so you know what? Because earlier when they said <laughs> industrial parks, I was also thinking in my head kind of cleverly, I kind of want more parks, but not industrial parks. Yeah, so so I, I just figured Cameroon might be on the same track. Uh, it very well may be, but um, justice for smallholders. <laughs> That's where I'm at. 100%. Actually, on that point, Madi is saying, the Tambun farmers are Malaysians. For generations, they've occupied and cultivated the land and made an honest living. Don't they deserve more respectful assistance? They've made all the approaches they can to the government in a legal way. The authorities acted like gangsters. I've been to the farms in the 60s to do practical land use studies for geography studies. Well, uh, Madi, I, I don't want to belabor the point that we've been making, which is that we agree with this. But I, I love... Um, and appreciate your use of cultivated the land and made an honest living. Because I think um, sometimes when we think about land use or, or, or this word that we've all been kind of not quite using correctly, I think occupation, um, it, it assumes a sort of lackadaisical approach to land. In other words, oh, I just built a, I don't know, a hut and now I, I live there you know, I, I think it conjures up images of squatters or that people are making the argument based on squatters' rights. Um, but that's not actually what's happening here. It, it's, it's hard work. It's multi-generational hard work. It, it's not really the same thing. And I think it's not without reason that both the... Farmers, as well as uh, both the farmers, as well as PSM and the activists that are highlighting their challenge, keep talking about food security because what is that honest living contributing to us as a nation? Um, and that's where that link to food comes in, right? Because not just are they li living there and making, not just are they living there and making a living, 
their livelihood actually benefits us as a nation. It feeds us. It provides us with much needed resources. And so I do think that I do think that distinction between, well, are they just on that land? Should they be there? It needs to also come with what has what have they been doing there and for generations at this point. So Kamarun is back to say big farm, industrial size. That's what I meant. So, okay. Yeah, this is go. where we differ, Kamarun, but that's okay. All opinions are welcome. Uh, Wallace actually is also saying smart industrial farms with AI operated by robots, all in exclamation marks. So I'm only taking you semi-seriously, Wallace. I, you know, we're just trying to get to drones. Yeah. To drone use before we even get to robots as a whole running farms. I, I'd like to see, I, 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 I agree with you, Lynn, that actually I'd still like to see a space for smallholders and, and you know, family run farms. I do think they serve an important part of the ecosystem. They do. Uh, it's also, it's also where we get a lot of our food. Yeah. I mean, I, I just want to make that point. Because that rush towards the industrializing and the, and the tech-enhancing the, the tech enhancing and so on often leaves them out of the conversation. Um, just to close off, we have a couple of people talking about food security. So uh, Chang says, if we think the government is serious about food security, we're really being naive and foolish. Dennis, meanwhile, says, perhaps we need a national agriculture master plan. We need to protect individual farmers. Do we have that? I'm I'm now looking it up because I I think we have a uh, a national agro food policy. Yes. So so that exists, um, and that's a policy that is supposed to run until 2030, so seven more years. Um, and it's only been in place for a couple of years. Uh, whether it accommodates these sorts of questions, I'm not sure. Yes, and and really, I do think that there is that question about. Um, food security, plans like these, and whether they account for individual challenges. And again, something that's come up a lot this week, cross-ministerial issues or cross-agency issues. You can call 77332900, send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.